Hey guys, thanks for joining this episode of 17X. Uh, this is another great conversation that I had down at the Banksia Ignite uh, event earlier this year in Sydney. Uh, Banksia Foundation, who are a massive leader in the SDG space in Australia, were kind enough to invite me down to their event to interview some of the panellists for this podcast. And this conversation is with a uh, gentleman by the name of Ryan Oostrich, who is the Environment Manager for Sedexo. Um, now, Sedexo is a multinational uh, service provider, and he champions their global sustainability program, which is called Better Tomorrow 2025, uh, here in Australia. Um, so he's been with the company for eight years and is also undertaking a master's in renewable energy. So he's got a, a huge amount of experience and knowledge, um, and he was on stage at Bankster Ignite uh, talking about what Sedexo is up to with their responsible consumption and how they are really providing providing sustainable options for all of the services they, that they provide. Uh, in particular, they are working towards SDG number 12 around responsible consumption and production. Um, and uh, you know, through their partners, it's all about education, sustainable supplies, indigenous engagement, community activities, waste management, and recycling. So they're playing a huge game, um, and uh, the great news is that they're not just playing a huge game here in Australia. This is an international company. So, um, you know, you can really take what Ryan's uh, talking about here and, and really look at understanding that these guys are, are applying these models all over the world, which is which is really great to hear. So um, sit back and enjoy this conversation. I hope you enjoy it the way that I did and, and hear from Ryan himself. Cheers. Hey there, and welcome to the 17X podcast series, where we chat with amazing people from all over the world on how they are using their business to create outcomes aligned with the sustainable development goals. We hear from entrepreneurs, social innovators and change makers, and everyday business owners using their business and brands as a source for good. So sit back, get inspired with me, as we hear from these amazing people telling their story of purpose and impact. Thanks for listening. Back to the podcast. Um, we are at Banksia Ignite, and today I'm chatting with Ryan Oostrich from Sedexo. Yes, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Nice to be here. Um, we just heard Ryan uh, tell us uh, a little bit about what Sedexo is up to in the sustainability space and, and really across the board on all this SDGs. Um, but, mate, can you just tell us in your words who you are and, and what you do and, and what Sedexo is all about? Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, my name's Ryan. I'm the Environment Manager for Sedexo, uh, and I also champion our sustainability program within Australia. Uh, so Sedexo is a big multinational company, working in about 80 countries worldwide. Um, and then we have a global sustainability program called Better Tomorrow 2025, uh, which I champion within Australia. Uh, so kind of oversee, but then um, a lot of work is actually carried out on the ground by our staff, with about 5,000 people, uh, 5,000 employees within Australia. Um, but essentially, we're a service provider. Um, we're all about um, improving quality of life for everyone. Um, but basically, we uh, provide all sorts of different services on a bunch of different uh, sites, basically. So uh, our bread and butter, I guess where we started out, was uh, mining, oil and gas. Um, and that's still a large part of our business these days, the energy and resources segment. Uh, but then we also work in a lot of other segments these days, including uh, corporate offices, educational sites, justice facilities, warning facilities, healthcare sites, aged care, all sorts of things like that. Uh, and essentially, like I said, we're a service provider, so we do things like uh, catering, uh, cleaning, um, transport, security, uh, admin- 
restoration, uh, maintenance is a big part of our business these days. Um, so basically any kind of service that our clients want us to provide, we try to, try to do to the best of our ability. Uh, myself personally, I guess uh, I've been with the company now for about eight years uh, in a few different roles. So I started off firstly as the environmental advisor, um, straight out of uni basically back in the day. Um, and then I uh, did that for a few years and then went out to site um, working as a HSE or a health, safety and environment uh, specialist um, on a bunch of our sites around Australia, again mainly my sites. Um, and then uh, returned back to my passion which is more environment sustainability over the last couple of years and now I'm the environment manager. How were you received on that client side? Is it a HSE? HSE? Uh, yeah, HSE, that's right. Um, was, it, was it welcomed or was it a bit like yeah, it's a safety funny. officer that's coming to get <laughs> yeah. everybody off? Yeah, there's a little bit of There's an element to that, absolutely. Um, I mean, the HSE is, to be honest, probably 90% health and safety. That is the number yep. one priority in mining, particularly. Yep. For most of our clients, is keeping people safe sure. and not injuring people. Yep. So, a large part of the role is looking after health and safety, but then it's also the environment element as well. Yep. Um, and both of which, I guess, aren't typically that well received by your, by your average miner or person working in those kind of industries. Um, but I guess that's part of the challenge is uh, you know, making it relatable to them and, and yep. getting across the importance to them of why we do these things and, yep. and, and why they should be engaging with them. So. Yeah, sure. I'm, just, I'm, I'm sure you know, within a short amount of time you'll be from the ground and uh, converted. Yeah, <laughs> I did my best, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, can you tell us a bit about what you were um, up to at Bank Street Night today and the yeah. SDGs that you were particularly aligning with? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like you mentioned right back at the start, we do a lot of our work covers a lot of the SDGs, I guess, but particularly today I was talking about uh, goal number 12, which is responsible consumption and production. Uh, so a large focus on food waste, um, but we also do a lot of other things in that, in that space, I guess, so in terms of recycling and waste management. Uh, sustainable supplies in our supply chain, reducing food waste across the board, uh, recovering resources in all their forms. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different things that we do in that space. So. Yeah, great. I'm actually only uh, part-time in my role at the moment as well, so it keeps me very busy. Yeah. It's few days a week that I do work. So, so um, I noticed in your session, um, the Craig Rucastle mm. um, kind of uh, gave you a, a question around the waste management in food. Mm. Um, and your answer um, seemed to allude more to the prevention rather than the cure. Absolutely. Is that is that um, is that something unique to you guys, or is that a, is that, I guess, a general thesis across across? Yeah, no, I guess that's um, that's the general kind of approach for most people. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if you've heard of the waste hierarchy before, but like I mentioned to Craig on the panel earlier, uh, avoidance is usually the first preference. So yeah. um, the waste hierarchy works: you know, avoid, reduce reuse, recycle, and then recover in terms of order of preference. So our first preference is always to avoid creating the waste in the first place and to avoid sending it to our sites to deal with in the first place if we can. So like I mentioned, we do a lot of work with our supply chain in terms of sustainable packaging, sorry, sustainable supplies, and reducing the amount of food waste that we are going to produce um, before, you know, before it gets sent out to our yep. facilities and sites. Yep. So there's a lot of work being done in that space, um, uh, particularly around plastics at the moment. We uh, as of last year, um, came up with a reduction plan to phase out all our single-use plastics. So things like uh, you know stirrers, plastic bags, plastic straws, yep. um, uh, crib containers, or you know like takeaway plastic containers, even coffee cups, things like that. Yep. So we're going through that process at the moment nationally, trying to phase that out as much as we can, or at the very least, provide more sustainable alternatives, so mm -hmm. you know, biodegradable or compostable, or preferably reusable alternatives to all yep. those things. We just had uh, Leah from Biopack in here earlier. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you guys need to 
Yes, no shit. They are a supplier of ours. Oh, yeah, great. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, they actually are providing a lot of the alternatives that I mentioned earlier to all those kind of plastic products that were so predominant earlier. Uh, so, typically on a mine site, I'm not sure if you've been, one, been to one no. before, but essentially, um, I guess a long time ago, it just used to be all the food was laid out for everybody. Uh, so, they'll typically come in for a breakfast service and a dinner service, but then they'll take their lunch with them out to site each day, yep. uh, out to work. Um, and typically, they would take, you know, three containers at least, if not more plastic takeaway containers and load them up with food to take out to site and that would happen each day. Wow. So you can imagine on a big site, you know, where you've got thousands of employees all taking three, four, five containers yep. each per day, all of them going into landfill. Um, and with the food waste inside sometimes yep. as well, because a lot of times guys, you know, their eyes will be bigger than their stomachs and they'll yep. take more than they need to eat. Uh, so it produces a huge amount of waste, fills up the landfills very quickly, yep. and obviously all the associated carbon emissions and yep. costs and all sorts of things that come along with that as well. So that again comes back to that behaviour change that we're trying to implement um, and uh, providing reusables. So for example, um, as of last year, we rolled out a campaign on all the uh, Rio Tinto sites. We operate in WA. Yep. Uh, so we have all of the Rio Tinto sites in the Pilgrim up in WA uh, for the IFMS contract. Um, and so, like I said, as of last year, we started rolling out uh, this program called We Choose to Reuse, uh, which is around uh, providing reusable alternatives for all those guys. So now, instead of taking takeaway containers each day, um, basically they're all issued with a reusable pack that they're expected to wash themselves each night. Uh, so they'll get issued, you know, with a few uh, kind of Tupperware containers, uh, reusable drink bottle, reusable coffee, coffee cup, uh, reusable cutlery, all that kind of thing. And then we provide washing stations for them to wash it each day and reuse it again the next day. And we'll carry back to take it all out to site. So again, the challenge with that was, you know, implementing that behaviour change, sure. making it as easy as possible for people. Yep. So providing enough, you know, washing stations and educating them around the, the reasons for the change, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you always meet, I guess, some resistance, but by and large, um, a lot of the guys, once you explain it to them why we're doing it, most of them are pretty keen to jump on board because they recognise the amount of waste that was being produced. Yeah, sure. Um, one of the things that uh, that I'm particularly passionate about at the moment with where I work in the STD is with the SME in town, um, is talking and, and working with small business operators to understand how they can align themselves with you know either the SDGs or particular purpose or impact and, and sustainability, and use that as within a for-profit model. You know, it's not always about the not-for-profits, the charities that need to do this, um, and and really using it as a as uh, you know, to go hand in hand with you know, any KPIs that they may have around dollar figures, to also then have these measurables around what they can create from an impact base, and really using that as a way to differentiate themselves from their market. With your antenna, I guess at this kind of corporate level, the big business level, um, obviously you're competing with other service providers, and you're dealing with the the, the um, you know the various industries that you are. Obviously, dollar factors into a lot of getting these contracts. How does how does having these responsible consumption, you know, um, platforms and, and measurables and, and programs work into you uh, using them as a, a USB really to gain these contracts? Are there, are there clients looking for that or is it just all about the dollar? Well, a bit of both, to be honest. Um, it is actually quite nice to see a lot of our clients now are actually asking for these sorts of, you know, sustainable options and um, particularly, you know, when we tender or bid for new contracts and new sites. It's a very large focus these days is what are you guys doing on sustainability and yeah. how do you align with our own internal sustainability goals. Uh, so it is good to see most of the big companies these days have a very strong sense of corporate social responsibility and will have their own sustainability plans that they want yeah. us to tie in with. Um, but thankfully, a lot of the time, uh, particularly you know, environmental initiatives like the um, Choose to Reuse campaign are actually cost-saving as well. 
so there's always, um, you know, with that example, there's a, the initial outlay of providing all the materials for the guys to use and installing washing stations and things like that. Typically, on most sites, within a year or two, that pays itself off. So sure. if the contract's going to be there for a long time, and you know, your mine life is expected to run for a long time, then it's, it's a cost saving after the first year or two, and then you're just saving money instead of constantly buying disposable stuff and you know, doing sure. all the landfills so quickly. Uh, so yeah, it is, it is good to see. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more demand, I guess, from our clients these days. But then also, I guess, in some ways, you do need to sell it out of a cost saving as well. Yeah. Um, so I mean, me personally, I, I'm doing it from the perspective of you know reducing waste, reducing yeah, emissions, yeah. Yep. doing the right thing. Um, but by and large, we need to sell it as first and foremost a cost saving, and yep. you know, as an added benefit, you're also reducing waste, reducing emissions, well, maybe, doing your bit for the environment. So. Maybe now, with with the idea that you know in, in two or three years' time, if they're in your process, they're saving money. Perhaps the longer they contract, the more money they're saving. Mm, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then you know the world's a better place because of it. So. That's right. um, yeah, that's that's actually really fascinating to hear, and I think encouraging to hear that that the attitudes of your clients in your market is changing, and they're actually asking you rather than you asking them about how you integrate your programs. They're saying how do you work with us? So that's that's obviously um, interesting, and probably exciting to see perhaps where that space goes in the next ten or twenty years as the millennial crew that are already you know down with this get into these positions. That, 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 bigger power and their, their decision making so they'll be probably more, asking them to be more eager around hey let's let's do this properly so yeah well, I mean I think I can't remember the exact figure but I think roughly 40 or 50 percent of our workforce are millennials yeah, so right. they're you know 30 years or younger yeah, yeah, so yeah. there's a, a very quickly growing demand for these things which is good to see as well so um I guess the two questions to finish up um <coughs> where are the opportunities that, that you know we can we can learn from you you know what's what's the next three to five years on either responsible consumption or any of the other particular SDGs that we may come across, um, you know, where do you see are the major short-term opportunities for us? Um, like I mentioned earlier, I guess a lot of things are around sustainable supplies. So we continually do a lot of work with our supply chain and our food platform teams around uh, responsible sourcing and reducing packaging and sustainable supplies and all that sort of thing. So I'll give you a couple of examples around that. Uh, so cage-free eggs, for example. Um, so within Australia alone, we source around 10 million eggs every year just to serve the you know, food that we serve. Um, so as of last year, again, we changed to 100% cage-free eggs. Um, so you know, those sorts of things have a massive impact, and that is one of the good things, I guess, about working for a company of that sort of size is you know, making these small little changes in our supply chain actually do have very big impacts yeah. on the ground in yep. terms of you know, Australian producers and, and, and sourcing where we get our goods from. Um, even sustainable seafood, I was just talking from, uh, to a fellow out there I think who you interviewed earlier from the Marine Stewardship Council. Yep. Uh, so all of our seafood sourced within Australia is sustainable as well, come from the MSC certified fisheries and um, you know, only serve sustainable seafood. Uh, but yeah, food waste is, is probably probably one of the biggest areas of focus uh, for us as a company, but also me particularly over the next few years, um, being one of the main services that we provide, being a catering company initially. Um, and on most of the sites where we work, we do serve food. That is one of the biggest areas that we can have impact, I guess. So some food waste, I guess, is unavoidable, unfortunately. We, we do a lot of work with front end, like I mentioned at the start of the interview, in terms of prevention and yep. uh, you know, many forecasting and reducing food waste uh, at the front end, even going down the, the path now of you know, uh, prepackaged foods or pre-prepared foods, which also are a cost-saving and a, um, an injury prevention thing as well. So instead of having our chefs constantly prepare everything and cut everything up, 
you know, it's a bit of a time saving um, and an injury saving thing to have everything prepared for them to go. So where that works on some sites, we're doing that. Uh, but yeah, food waste, sorry. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a big focus for us over the next few years. So uh, we're looking at um, firstly internal processes, so you know, training up our staff to reduce the amount of food waste they produce. Um, we're looking at rolling out a program this year uh, globally called Waste Watch, uh, which is powered by a system called LeanPath, which is basically a food waste tracking and, and management system where all the food waste is kind of measured and tracked and entered into a complete management system where you, you gather the data and, and look for kind of hotspots of where your waste is being produced with the, you know, the goal of trying to identify some of those areas where we can possibly reduce it further. And then some of that food waste that I mentioned was unavoidable, where you know, some things you do unfortunately have to trim off some fruits and vegetables, you know, some meats, that sort of thing. So there always will be some food waste. And also from the consumer end as well, so the guys take too much and then don't finish their meal and then scrape their plate off into a bin at the end of the meal. Again, we try to educate and um, you know, reduce that end as well. But like I said, there is some food waste inevitably produced on most sites. Um, so we're looking at different options to deal with that as well. So technology options, um, but also you know, food waste collections. Um, and just yeah, in terms of the technology options, I guess we're looking at things like dehydrators, macerators, biodigesters, um, even down to simple solutions like composting and web farm systems. and. They eat chickens. That's what they eat. Yes. My chickens <laughs> eat all of our food waste. Yes. Yes. Everything except for any chicken waste, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think um, us as individuals, you know, in, in you know, yeah, we have chickens, great. But you know, obviously, you've got the science, the data, the experience in your organisation to make these amazing programs and understand where the focus needs to be, and we as individuals can learn from that and say, okay, great. You know, Darcy upstairs just talked about teaspoons of change and what we can do in the little things at home and in our own daily lives to create and contribute to the bigger picture. And I feel like, um, you know, responsible consumption has come up a bit for us today, um, and particularly in these podcasts. And, you know, food waste is certainly something that, that is a big contributor to those things. Um, so I feel like anyone listening can, can hear the indicators in, in what you're talking about around how they can prevent and then responsibly take care of it at, at the other end, um, you know, to manage their own waste uh, around themselves, not just the, just about food, but plastics and everything else that comes on with it. So, um, really good insight for, for us as individuals as well as companies and whatnot. So. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, a lot of the changes that need to happen do come down to that individual level, so we can roll out and educate as much as we like, uh, as much as we can, I guess, as a company. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is around that kind of individual level, I guess, of behaviour change and making yeah. those small kind of changes like Darcy is all about, uh, which add up to bigger changes and, and bigger impacts uh, once you kind of, you know, broaden the scale. So, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, education really is key. So raising awareness of the issue, why it's so important, what the impacts are, um, and then, you know, trying to get people to make those little behaviour changes, which yeah. is quite often the hardest thing yeah. with sustainability, is getting people to actually change what they do on a daily basis. Yeah. But it adds up to really big impacts. Well, amazing, mate. Thanks for your time. Um, really, obviously, uh, really good insight again from, from uh, you know, obviously the amount of information and, and, and the real data that we've got access to to make the right decisions. And it's, it's great to have that shared. So I appreciate you taking the time to have a chat. Um, if people want to get in touch with Sodexo or yourself and ditch their their current providers and come on board with you guys and, and, and um, do the right thing with the right, the right programs, how do they get in touch? Uh, so basically, you can just Google Sodexo. Um, yep. So like I said, we have a very big uh, presence internationally. Um, I guess my details are out there probably as well somewhere. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn and all sorts of other platforms. But uh, yeah, Sodexo, 
don't have to look too far for us. I'll, I'll link you to S O D E X O and you'll find us. Right. Um, and yeah, feel free to get in touch and um, and yeah, we'll do the best that we can to, to help you out. Do the AFL need to change contracts and get you at all their stadiums? That would be nice. Yes, <laughs> we'd be happy to tender for that contract. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for your time, mate. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Well, there we have it, another podcast done and dusted. I trust you got inspired the same way I did. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to so that you get our new episodes and updates. Uh, Jump on and give us a review, five stars, one stars, whatever it is, as long as it's honest, I'd love it. And uh, if you know anyone that we should be interviewing for these podcasts, we'd love to hear them, so make sure you get in touch. Until then, go and create some purpose in the world and enjoy great things.